0: Believe it or not, Plan it's a exactly town called
1: Flin Flan exactly in the middle of Clinton, Canada. <umn 02> Flin Flan is built
2: Flint, flan on solid rock. One of the first things, of we we things we know were the spark-steam sewer pipes. Up ground. we have ground. never, seen anything, never like. seen anything like it before.
0: Oh, how good looking people. Raphael Bebe here. Sewer box office podcast here with hairdresser to the stars, razor of youth actors, and the general... general R- R- Susan's with me. Menace Susan's on the me. dance
1: floor. Menace on the dance Susan's floor.
0: Susan's with me. Also, my fiance. <laughs>
1: You, you forgot menace on the dance floor. Menace, menace on the dance yes, floor.
0: Don't week. don't be a menace to South Central on the dance floor. <laughs> That's right. Well, drinking your juice in the hood.
1: <laughs> Just drinking my gin at the community hall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they don't even sell gin. She oh, brings I know, it. Right? She brings right? it herself. I everybody. bring the gin. So we've got uh, it's basically people in music, people in performing arts, people who contribute or arti- people who give this community flavor is uh, who we are looking to chat with, and our first. Uh, victim. Our first uh, interview is done with Brent Lethbridge. So you, we were talking about this off air. You don't know much about that, but you're sort of involved in the Hanson Lethbridge. That whole, um, like the like the Flinflon Kennedys. Uh, you went with a youth group with uh, some of the Hansons. Um,
1: Bill, actually, I went when I was a The, the homeliest of the Bill Hansons. Hanson. Yes, he was our our mentor slash uh, chaperone on a trip that we took to BC, and it was it was that yeah, it was very fun, and I found him. And really, it was very your love of Supertramp
0: that started. Yes, it Yes,
1: absolutely. I started singing a Supertramp song, and his head whipped around, and I was probably about fourteen years old, and he just looked at me like are you what and i i just so yeah so that's where my kind of
0: well you guys were taking the long way home we were
1: taking a long way home and i couldn't help but sing about it
0: so we're gonna talk to uh brent who uh we know we do he does our radio plays with us uncle lefty the Un- kids. Un- uncle lefty to uncle the, lefty. Kids, yes, the kids babysits yeah, like yeah, uncle, uncle buck you know makes over. the big pancakes yeah lefty and uh, I do the insurance show uh, with him, and uh, he's helped us out with various arts projects, and you've seen him out around town performing, so we'll talk about his extensive history with uh, performing in flint pretty much all across North America, and we'll also find out why a Susan Lethbridge is uh, more fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is th- this follows uh, my mantra when I heckle, less Brent, more Susan. Hopefully we'll get Susan on soon.
1: Yes, because I have a list of questions. I have some some things that I would like to ask. Yes, her, this is her th- perspective this of is all th- these different stories. What th- her take is on a lot of these things that Brent has to.
0: This is merely, and this is like a preface to the Susan Lethbridge. This is the Susan Lethbridge podcast. This is required reading. This is like AP English where you have to take it home. So uh, this may be a two-parter. This may be uh, like uh, the episode of Seinfeld where they try to put all the bottles in the mail truck and John F. Kennedy's golf clubs get thrown in there. So we'll talk with uh, Brent Lethbridge, Uncle Lefty, the bipolar rock and roller, the Lindsey Buckingham of flin flan. Coming up next here on Sewer Box Office. You weren't born yesterday, you didn't come down with the rain, and you most definitely did not fall off the back of the turnip truck. So when I tell you that this Christmas, Sears is the only place to buy electronics like TVs, cameras, or video games, I know you're going to listen. And why not? Sears has the best brand names at great prices and fast delivery. So this Christmas, get into Sears and show the world that you're nobody's fool. Order direct from Sears Home Store and get free shipping on everything you order. Make the right choice. Choose Sears Home Store.
2: Start us off, Brent. Right.
0: All shared drinks. Oh, our sweet we're, I know. we're rocking. All share. We're rocking the uh the carbonated uh co-op 97 he, cents. He drank mm-hmm. ditch water when he first got here. Oh, but now, <laughs> we, now we bubbly water. Light All right. So, did you grow up here? Are yes. you are you Flint Flon born yeah. and or raised? Yes. Was there Was there like an arts community when you were a kid? Was it through schools or Yes, yes,
2: there was. The Glee Club was still going when I was a kid.
0: Was that theater? Was that plays? Yeah. Was that through it, the it schools? Is what we
2: do. Like it's to,
0: the Flint Flon Community
2: Choir took its place. So the Glee Club used to put on all the productions like uh, Brigadoon and Finian's Rainbow and Oklahoma and
0: Music Man and all that stuff, yeah. And yeah. were you in that or was your no, family in that? Susan was in that. Okay. Yeah. Is, was that when you were like in high school or like a little kid? As a little kid. Was, was it, were your, is your family musical in any way? No. My parents are not. But I just found out from my mother not long ago that she tells
2: me. That her family back in Nakom Saskatchewan, she came from a big family, her mom and her dad, Charlie and Tina, they used to go out.
1: Charlie and Tina? Yeah,
2: they used to go out and uh, my, my grandmother played the organ uh, slash piano and uh, grandpa was like a fiddle player. And they did all the square dancing gigs all around that area. So I was like, oh,
0: well, I didn't even find this out till,
2: you After know, like you well, two years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So was was CFAR the big deal? Like, did you grow up in when there was just the CBC? I guess not even. Not even. No. Okay. No, in the first few years it
2: was nothing. There was there was radio, and I maybe listened to the odd bomber game, and uh, my dad liked boxing. When,
0: uh, oh, it radio. was on the radio, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. CBC radio?
2: the oh, Friday yeah, night cool. fights tonight. Oh, I think the first fight I ever listened to was uh, some guy named Cassius Clay and uh, Sonny Liston. Oh my goodness! this, this <laughs> loudmouth, brash, <laughs> black man from the <laughs> south was uh, the Louisville lip, they like to call him. Uh, my dad was sort of attracted to this guy because he had a big mouth. Ooh, he's
0: interesting. So Yeah, it's one of the first fights I ever listened to. Because we were talking with Tim Spencer, the, the, the glory days. Yeah. Did, like, a lot more live acts came to town during that time. Well, Tim's older than me, right? Well, yeah. Substantially. But, well, subsa- <laughs> substantially, but was there... More live entertainment well, than sure because sure. I guess there was no when when we first got
2: TV it was it was like a week late there wasn't much going on when we did get TV and there was mostly the test pattern you'd look at that and gardening with Stan or something you know <laughs> Don Messer's Jubilee so there wasn't a lot. Ooh. But as as a kid, I remember and I was just too young, and at, at the time, is there would be touring. I'd come up here all the time and play at the community hall. And I remember going to see one once, and uh, Pinky Davy wouldn't let me in. <laughs> but I was like thirteen, right? And it's like, "Hey, you're too young." I said, "Well, yeah, but I know who the band is. I want to see the band." No, you're Pinky too young Davey, I remember
1: alone. my grandpa saying that name. Was he in the pipe band? The big pipe yeah, band? He, he pipe was, band.
2: He was yeah. like a director of like recreation oh, okay. or something like that. So he was a bit of a bit of a wheel, you know. Had a little entertainment power. So I th- I believe he was one of the people, like a coordinator, an arts coordinator. He'd bring in various bands, and they'd play it with the community, the whole community hall.
0: So I guess records that would be your we would your go thing.
2: To f- photo music. Well, my thing was I have a sister who's uh, five years older than me, and um, when she was in, in about 1963, she got really lit up by. The Beatles. And she was Beatle crazy. She had Beetle jackets and she bought every Beatle record and posters all over, bunch, all over the walls. But she, she started bringing home these records, right? And, it, oh, you know, I kind of got lit up mm-hmm. from hearing that. Uh, electric guitars were fairly... So, so fun, before fun. that, it was just like Perry Como
0: music, basically? Before
2: that, my heroes were about my sister's age, and um, some guys are still around, like uh, Paul Bergman, Del Ward, those guys. They played in bands. They're that much older than myself. So uh, they used to rehearse just down the street from me. Then I would go over and sit in their steps, you know, and hoping mm-hmm. they would notice their. And a were you
1: playing? Kid. When did you start no, playing? Oh, no, I was not even you- playing then.
2: Well, I, 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 for serious, probably started. Uh, I was pretty young actually, grade three, had, and I, did, I sort of left it a bit because I like to play hockey too. But then my dad bought me electric guitar. Then I got kind of jacked up. And then by the time I was fourteen, then I was I was playing for money.
0: So did you do lessons, or are you just I did an, lessons impresario?
2: One year. one year I did lessons. Guy showed me the basic grips on the guitar, and um, and then he said after years, like I. I was about at his level. He said, I can't, there's nothing else I can teach him. So the rest of the time was spent with a needle and a record, right? Lifting it up and playing it over and over and over. Like, uh, I guess it's ear training to call it. So were you,
0: you were just kind of self-taught fanatical about this? Basically self-taught, yeah. So what, uh, just the town at that time, was it sort of like... The glory days, streets paved with money, was this like with twenty thousand people, Elvis playing every fish fry, all that stuff?
2: Not so much. Not that I remember, you know. Like the the bands that I would see when I was a kid, I, I would go to these Greek club productions, and you didn't get, you know, when you're eight or nine years old, you don't get to see a lot of live entertainment, right? So we go to a wedding, and it was like, wow, or we went to. Um, uh, a gleek Club production, and they had drums and bass and horns and guitars, which I was kind of crazy for. So that kind of that would kind of jack you up a little bit, you know. But it wasn't a common thing, but a, just such powerful memories of uh, sitting by a stage as a little kid and, and at the Legion, I think it was, and there was a band playing, and the guy had electric guitar. This is before I started lessons or anything. And I remember, wow. And I said to the guitar player, hey, the sound's not coming out of your guitar, it's coming out of this amplifier. You know, which was a real revelation to me. And they, they made fun of me for that, you know. But uh, that's what Jack shopped. remember the first time walking down the street actually hearing an electric guitar in someone's bedroom. It was um, local Paul Bergman. He lived in a two-story house. He had a bedroom on the second floor and he had his window open and he had some guitar in there. And he was, he was playing away. And I just remember it was like an electric bolt through my body or something. So it, it was a very impressionable young man. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then my sister keeps bringing home the Beatles. And as she gets older, the Beatles become something a little heavier. And right. Then finally... The perfect
1: metamorphosis. Here comes same Led same Zeppelin when yeah.
2: she had moved away and started coming back home, right? And, you know, all that yeah. stuff gets you pretty excited. Got so you, me excited.
0: So you said you were playing Money for 14. Were you in bars before you no. could drink playing? or No. It, it was before... It Does was, this happen not dances or things like that. No, or, well, we played some socials.
2: Fuck ups. Yeah, I remember going to the paw on one Ooh, one particular trip. cosmopolitan. Yeah, I think we were fifteen. Me and my my uh, neighbor right next door, uh, Tommy Gibney. We were like fourteen and thirteen, or fourteen and fifteen. And we got paid for gigs every weekend. We go out and do our thing. It was good fun.
0: Did you have a like dreams of rock stars or would just just play as much as possible or did you even was was becoming a big deal even something in your in your mindset well yeah i think my friends would certainly
2: say that you know is that i seem pretty focused on having a a career as a musician um until i actually became a working musician and that's all i did and and that loses its luster pretty quick that only took a year playing bad, bad bars. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> sitting in, yeah. But it, it, from the time that we're 15, um, and Susan and I started uh, um, playing together and performing together, um, we played like from that t- uh, 15-year-old to to like grade 12 things 15 to 18 around here but we had a we had a pretty good band then and we would go to the and cranberry and snow lake and thompson and we almost worked every weekend and made a good bucket now, i always thought well it's like running a little business you know because mm, you smart. have to make all the arrangements you had to book hotels you had to eat you know we had to get beer <laughs> all that <laughs> kind of stuff but we had a teacher in our band which was kind of nifty and he uh, showed us the ropes. Like, he was a very experienced musician, Jerry Perkin from Winnipeg. He just, one of his first teaching jobs was up here in Flimflon. And he started this little club called the Rock and Folk Club. So we'd already been, yeah, we'd already been in a band myself, but he brought a few different people together. We put this band together called the Kelly's Heel or something. And uh, we got pretty good with his mentorship. And then he said the next year, well, can I join your band? which we were thrilled, because he could play guitar like crazy. He would show us drumming parts, he would arrange our harmonies, and he gave us a good leg up in terms of uh, kind of progressing by the small town influences, because, you know, you don't have uh, YouTube back then, and you don't have, uh, you can't go get guitar tabs, you have to Mm -hmm. either listen to it or someone has to show you technique. He really accelerated our, our process with, with ear training, playing, singing, harmony structure, that kind of stuff.
0: Very thankful for her. So, did you meet Susan through bands, or did you guys go out beforehand, or how did the, yeah. how did this this courtship of this merger of and mega talent happen? Well, yeah,
2: we were we were pretty young, um, probably fourteen and thirteen when we first met. And, uh,
0: Was she a singer already, or? No, nope. no, no. <laughs> well, she was, but not I didn't, professionally. Well, I didn't. Think <laughs> she, I didn't. You know, I didn't
2: think so much. But she would tell a story about we were, did start a band and it didn't get off the ground because um, we we're looking for a singer and we thought maybe she would be the singer, but then we found someone else who had a PA system. So I had to go for a walk with Susan and oh. and fire her. God. I don't think she's forgiven me yet, <laughs> but that that was just a kind of a, a distraction. And then a year later, or so we she, she could sing. I saw her sing. Some of my friends saw her sing. And oh yeah, Susan Susan can sing for
0: sure. So we had a we had a couple girls in the band and three guys to start with. So when did you went to Winnipeg then, or when did you when after, did you leave to become a musician after
2: graduation? Um, I went to Winnipeg. Susan had
0: had, had uh,
2: left for the city before I had, so she uh, she she got down, or she found work fairly quickly within a couple of months because of the training she had back here and some of the people that we knew from Winnipeg because we would meet the odd musician going through town and you talk to them mm-hmm. and for sure things. from a little network.
1: Coming. That's right. Yeah.
2: yeah, the old fashioned yeah, network. The old fashioned network. Yeah. 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 So by the time Susan got to Winnipeg there were some people who had been up here played we played on the same bill they went back to Winnipeg and talked amongst the management and booking agent people that oh this girl there, there's a good band up in Flim Flon and this girl's in town right now and uh, she's looking for something so she got she got hooked up with the band pretty quick and away she went on the road was just like that so there were there were a lot of opportunities you could play there were there were lots of opportunities because there were so many places. What are
0: some of the venues? These these classical timey.
2: Well, you know to cut your teeth, you got to go on the road for a little while. So we go to a place <laughs> called uh, Fort Francis Nick's Zoo which, in Ontario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fort Francis, and then what I remember most about that was. Uh, All these bars had strippers too, right? So the band and the strippers were always put in the same floor of the hotel, right? You sort of of developed this camaraderie with the other entertainers, so to speak. Then we played at a place called Nick's Zoo out in uh, uh, Sioux Lookout, where people yelled at us. I mean, we only had 15 tunes. Right? The first time me and Susan were out with an act we had 15 songs, and people start yelling, That band doesn't get out of town alive. You know, and you play there six nights, so you're sort of waiting for that to happen. But we did get out of town alive. What were, do you remember some of the 15 tunes? Uh, Sweet Home Alabama, done very badly. Loudly. I think a James Gang tune called uh, Seems to Me. And no, I can't remember a single other one. But probably, you know, taking care of business would have been an there because that was easy
0: to play. So did you did you meet any? Can you name drop? Were there any sort of stars that people would know that you performed with or, or ran into around that time? Well, you on a very
2: um, provincial level, I can say w- w- what happened is Susan and I joined this band, and we worked for two or three weeks. As a band, right, and then we came back to Winnipeg, and then our bass player quit, which was good, and so we need another bass player. And the agent who was booking us said, "Well, I know this guy. He's been on tour with Lightning Hopkins, and he just played with this band called Scrub Kane, and he's looking for some work." You know, these are people that were known, especially Scrub Kane. I've heard that one. Yeah. Um, they had some wonderful players. And um, Gary Stefanik was the bass player for that group. And he came down because he just needed a gig. And we were working. We had booked gigs. And he came down. He just needed a gig. So he came down. And he played. And it's like we finished playing. So he says, we, we love him, right? He could, he's a real player. And he's, he says, well, do I, do I get the job? <laughs> we were like falling apart <laughs> ourselves. So he joined the band. And then the world's worst drummer was playing with us. And um, he, we, he was sort of the leader of the band, but he was embezzling money, like PA money, and not paying it. So I go into a music store, and the manager would say, hey, Lethbridge, you owe us $700. For what? Oh, and he'd say, well, we haven't been paid for the PA for a while. Say, oh, my. So this, our drummer was ripping us off, so we fired him. But because we had this bass player, Gary Stefanik, he knew a drummer. The drummer's name was Ronnie Savoy. Ronnie Savoy was like, wow, he's actually, yeah, because we had gigs. Yeah, come play with you, gigs. Ronnie Savoy, his claim to fame was he played with the Devrons, which, of course, was with Burton Cummings, right? So here's me and Susan thinking, "Wow, well, life is on the improve, Right. And then shortly after that, we had a guitar player, we had two guitar players, and the other guitar player quit. Now what was happening is we are were- It's like Spinal Tap. <laughs> what was this well, band is- called?
1: Never mind Spinal Tap. What was this
2: band called? Well, we were way ahead of our time. We called ourselves Lady Susan. Gatto, it's I love it. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. We were way ahead of our time because Susan hated the name because whenever they put it up on the, on the marquee of a hotel, it looked like you know it was like the stripper Probably name or something yes. right so her yeah. mother was very concerned that no no we're not we're not doing that so the guitar player quits and along comes Brent Park and Brent is a well-established blues musician a good singer great yeah. slide he was player. here yeah? yeah he was here a that's right and uh, he needed a gig so the next thing we know we got a real bass player a real drummer and a real guitar player me and Susan right and this all happens if within the first year that we start playing. In Winnipeg, so we then established a pretty good band. But once we once we got kind of good, we didn't want to play covers too much anymore. We just wanted to go do what we wanted to do because that seemed like way more fun. But that doesn't get you much work in those days. So we gave it a run for a while, um, and then it uh, it basically uh, fell apart. But because we had Gary Stefaniak and and Brent Parkin then the band and Ronnie Savoy, other people started to come out and see us because they're friends of those three guys. So this is how Graham Shaw came to meet um, Susan, and he already knew Gary Stefani because that's who he's come to see. So he ultimately recruited Susan for his act, the, the Sincere Serenaders, when he put his band together. So that's how that sort of came to be. By then, uh, shortly after that, I think did maybe another band or two, but the heart wasn't much in it, you know. And I, I dropped out, and Susan, actually, we both basically gave it up for a while. And then um, Graham called uh, Susan and said, I'm starting a new band, and I'd like you to come and check it out. And, and Susan, she'll, she will agree with this part, I'm pretty sure, is that um, she wasn't going to do it. And I, I said to her, "Wow." I asked Susan honey like if you're gonna if you're gonna sing you should sing you know and this looks like a really great opportunity because if you don't do this then you know why would you sing this is an opportunity every not everyone gets this so she said it was a good pep talk and she's decided to do it and it was a, some growing ex- pains for her with that because these are all guys who are a lot older like six seven years older and the other singer was about 10 years older than her so. They were well experienced, been around, played in good bands all their lives, essentially in Winnipeg. So she, she had this opportunity and she grabbed it. But I didn't go back. I didn't go back guitar playing. I was I was, I would jam with some people, but I wasn't interested in guitar playing anymore. I had about enough of that because I found out in that year of being a musician that we were the last to get paid. And there was people getting it paid way before I was getting whatever Did was left Did you sign over. anything? Was there any yeah, were sort of like the, the there like the club promoters with cigars no, and I'm going to a big handshake or Just Just handshakes. Yeah, There's yeah, no just contracts. The, you don't, know. Worry,
1: just don't worry about it, now. There, there, yeah.
2: you're, you're not in the union. There is no help. If you get fired in the middle of the week because for whatever reason there was no recourse, you were fired, pack up, get out of my hotel. Which, you know, that's the way it goes. But... I hung around a bit with uh, Susan and those guys though I didn't play with that band at all and Susan was working with them and uh, uh, one day I got a call from the, the agent who ran Hungry Eye Agencies in Winnipeg because we got kind of friendly and I knew him his name was Frank Weiner and he said uh, hey, Brent uh, there's a job like in the administrative end of the business if you're interested and I said, well, what is that? And he said, well, this pr- production promotion company is looking for a, a guy. Booker,
0: right. talent agent, somebody, Not a booker, no,
2: no. no. It, like a hands-on day of uh, production guy for rock shows. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to go do an interview. And I went, did did the interview with uh, two or three fellows in this office, and I uh, one of the guys, his name was Bruce Rathbone. I called him Bones. I knew him, and him and me, we didn't like each other. It was like, I, I'm sure he would just look at, rather punch me in the faces. I would him in the moment, right? But then I got the job. So now I'm going to be working with this fellow. So I got the job anyway. So what happened at that particular point, I got into the uh, stage management and uh, concert production end. And uh, in Winnipeg, probably for seven or eight years, I did probably every major rock show that that went through the Winnipeg Arena or the Playhouse or the Concert Hall. And then we had Saskatchewan uh, big venues out there. So the Agrodome out there and the old, old Saskatoon Arena. And we went to Thunder Bay as well. So that was kind of our, that was our stretch of territory. So that was a very interesting job. Um, they just send you out, right? Say, okay, the band's coming in. They're going to be there at 6 in the morning. Make the arrangements. Make it happen, right? All the technical, security, uh,
0: writer things. Like, everything you could imagine. Wow, the
1: green M&Ms. Like, yeah. The whole yeah. Did, did, you, did yeah.
0: being a musician help in that, or were you just kind well, of going... it was practical experiences
2: being a musician because I knew what the lingo were... So to speak, I knew... Uh, Some tech stuff. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't, I wasn't really a tech guy, right? It was like an organizer. I remember the first show I ever went to down in the city. And uh, you're, you're sitting there. You know, you're very impressionable as a kid from a small town like this. And you go to a city and you're going to watch a rock show in the big arena, right? For the first time. So I'm like, I'm 15 years old. What show? Your- uh, it was a band called Savoy Brown. Yeah. And they were a big act at the time. So there was like 10,000 people at the arena. But I remember sitting there and being observant. And just because you go and you sit, right? And watch what's happening versus you and see guys walking around yeah, with these things sure. around the table. Yeah. Holding cables, cables duct right? tape. Yeah. Yeah. No, not nope. even. Just one guy was moving his fingers oh, yeah, his. Yeah, people yeah. were doing this and doing that, right? And I thought, well, I bet that's kind of an interesting job. You know, I wonder what that's all about. Well, I became that. I became that guy. So, for the years I had over those probably seven or eight years, I was pretty active in the in the business and did a lot of different shows, met a lot of different people, did a lot of uh, traveling, and it was a lifestyle that uh, is not really sustainable when you have children and things like that. So, as soon as we start having children. Um, the way we went, but while I was, while I was doing that, Susan was playing with these acts, um, and she had all sorts of opportunities. They went to Los Angeles for six weeks with that band. They recorded with um, uh, was the uh, a guy called Kenny Edwards, who was the bass player for Linda Ron's dance band, Stone Pony or something like that. They were called, but he was he was the producer. So they were down at this this a studio that was very popular in LA and in and out were Stevie Nicks. You sit there and talk oh, to wow. her with Linda Ronstant, uh, Glenn Fry, uh, JD Souther, um, uh, people like that. Right. So they were hanging around cause they're all capital artists or hanging around the, that particular, uh, recording, uh, studio. So Susan got to meet wow. a lot of people out of that experience. Um, Graham, Shauna Sincere Serenators. Graham won a Juno uh, for most promising male vocalist, I think it was, and it was 1981. But Susan got to go out there, perform on the Junos, do a live uh, number on the show, and there was Pierre Trudeau sitting in the front and all this. And then afterwards, she got to go to dinner with. Her managers, which were the, they called them the Fiedler, uh, the Finkels, no, the Bernies, the two Bernies, uh, Fiedler and Finkelstein. But anyway, they go out for dinner, and who's there sitting across the table from Susan? is Joni Mitchell, and oh, she's wow. so starstruck oh, wow. she could barely talk, right? Right. But there's only six or seven people there, so it's 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 a pretty intimate thing.
1: I bet it was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was. Oh, Susan had some great experience, and then uh, out of that, they wound up going right across Canada in support of Dr. Hook, which was generally big 10,000-seat arenas, and at the same time she was going across Canada, I was working with, uh, with a rock and roll going across Canada, the... Basically, at the same time. So, we kept hooking up in, you know, we'd meet in Pierre and then we'd meet in Saskatoon, and then we'd meet in Edmonton and Calgary, then Vancouver. That must have
1: been very exciting and romantic.
2: It wasn't. I it think. was. Yeah. It was. Like, she was higher end. I was lower end. We're, but
1: still.
0: I'm so, with her. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be in Saskatoon
1: her. on Thursday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Like, it was I'm a bit with
0: of that. Her. I'm, with, her, I'm with the band. Right? I'm with her. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was
2: bit, it was a bit of that. But, um, once, once Graham was finished, then she, she hooked up with uh, Rocky Roletti, and they really had a great run for about three or four years. The, the band was very popular. He won a, a songwriting contest, uh, a national songwriting contest, and uh, the first prize was, well, uh, you will get to record your song, and they'll offer you a recording contract. So she was part of that, and that was very exciting. So they go do the... Uh, the recording project, and it's with Bob Ezrin, who does Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, and all this kind of stuff. So he's the producer, right? And this is all very exciting. And then uh, they were they were offered a recording contract, but at the time it just didn't seem like in their best interest to do that. So that was essentially the timelines of of what we did. And and at the end of it, the last few. Last few months, Susa was performing. She was probably six, seven months pregnant.
1: Oh wow! Oh, yeah. I know. I worked for right up until nine months. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: so, but we kind of figured if uh, if we're going to continue in this business, obviously she wasn't going to be working. She'd be staying at home, and I'd really have to start going on the road all the time, which wasn't which wasn't something I wanted to do. So we packed our bags and moved back to Flint,
0: So we're going to stop it there. That's all the time we've got for this episode. We're going to hopefully invite Brent back for part two, where where he will talk about when he came back to Flin Flon and all the stuff that he did in our community since then. Talk about uh, the homecomings, talk about the birth of Johnny's Social Club and the music scene that is currently in and around our community, so thanks very much to Lefty, the lovely, if not talented, yeah, and beautiful Susan Gunn, and of course me, Raphael Bay Bebe, for another installment of Sewer Box Office Podcast. Good night and good podcasting.